I've never been so vulgar, so profane, and so goddamn naked in front of another. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I was in a very poetic mood when picking the quote of the day. So I found this quote from a book of poetry called Lovish by Sakshi Narua. And I really did just go on an absolute binge of her work. Everything that I had read from this collection and a couple other things from other collections really just enforced this beauty of impression that I have, an impressiveness for people who can put into words only what I can explain as feelings or physical sensations. And some of us are just so gorgeous at putting words to the kinds of sensitivities that others of us are like, what words can describe how I feel? Absolutely precious material if you get to check out Sakshi Naruha. Incredible work. Let's talk about the three featured titles on the Sila homepage. You can visit the Center for Equitable Library Access by going to selalibrary.ca, C-E-L-A library.ca. And the three feature titles up there right now are The Whispers by Ashley Audrain. This is a suspense and thrillers that we will be talking about in exactly one month time. Back with the girls uh, who are joining us today, Karen McKay and Teresa Power from Sela, But they will be back because we've been anticipating reading this book together all through the summer. So we've set a date. Keep posted. The next feature title up there is The Wager by David Graham. And this is a history. And the last one is The Misses by E.L. James. And that is a romance. So figure that one out with the quote of the day today. When we do come back for a conversation with Sila friends, Teresa and Karen, we're going to be talking about Obama's book list. Now, you might be a huge fan or you might be like me, not even sure what exactly what this book list is. But we're going to talk about it, why it's impressive, why it's unique and how he keeps it going still after his presidency. I'm your host, Ramia Amudin, and this is AMI Audiobook Review. You're tuned into AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And we're with Karen McKay and Teresa Power from the Center for Equitable Library Access. We love checking in with you two at the start of the month. And let's talk about something that maybe a lot of people follow. I'm not sure because I've never followed um, Barack Obama in this way, but the Obama book list. So how do we want to run this? We have some books that uh, we're going to get into specifically, but Karen, do you want to give us like a load of what Obama does and why he does it this way? Sure. So he started this, I think it was the first year of his presidency in 2009, and he released um, a summer reading list of usually they, there's about 10 roughly books on the, the list. Uh, they're pretty varied. And I think that's one of the reasons that folks are interested in his reading list is that he, you know, and he's not attached to a, a certain genre or a certain type of author. He reads pretty widely. 
so there's usually fiction and nonfiction. There's usually um, very thoughtful kinds of books. They're not, you know, uh, they're not always ones that get a lot of press, but they're very thoughtful books or thought invoking books for sure. Um, and so he's released this list uh, pretty much annually. There are one or two years somewhere sort of in the the middle of his terms that I think he didn't release them. But um, the, I know that the publishers are quite interested in the in the books that he puts on his list and that they usually give a little bump in sales and certainly in buzz to the books that are on the, on the list. But I think it's just really interesting that we uh, as a literary community tend to be interested in this and and the fact that he's still doing it after he's left office and that it still gets as much press I think as it did when he was in office um, and so I thought we could have a really interesting conversation about why it's important that our leaders read and why it's important that we know what they read um, I don't know if you're familiar but Jan uh, Mattel I hope I'm saying his name right please edit that out if I didn't uh, he released a, he released a book um in 2012 and he was at an event with Stephen Harper who was the the Prime Minister of Canada at the time who seemed not very interested in books and reading and so Jan Martel he he started this sort of one-way book club with Stephen Harper and every two weeks he'd send him a letter and a book yeah it's really kind of cool club. it's a one-way book club mm. and so mm. he wanted to sort of explain why he thought these books were important for um for a leader to read uh, and I don't think Harper ever really engaged with him around this stuff. But anyway, he he published all these letters as a as a book. He sent um, 99 before he stopped. So he sent 99 letters and 99 books. Um, and I, I was doing a little bit of research and, and I was wondering why he he did this and why he thought it was important. And um, some journalists had asked him and he said that um, his answer I thought was really enlightening. He said, as long as someone has no power over me, I don't care what they read or if they read at all. But once someone has power over me, then yes, their reading does matter to me because in what they choose to read will be found what they choose to think and what they will do. And so I thought that was a really interesting framing about why it's important to to talk about books or to have leaders talk about books or talk about the ideas that they're gaining from books and, and why I think Obama's list endures, even though he's not the president any longer. Yeah, there's just this aspect of he is well read, and mm -hmm. uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama also very well read, and both of them are so uh, incredibly open about that. They get into conversation and discussions um, around that, and. I just love that quote that you were saying about why it's important for um, leaders to be well-read. Teresa, does this make a difference for you? Like, maybe not our politicians and leaders reading, but the books themselves that are being discussed that these people are um, catapulting? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I certainly, like, looking over this list from Obama... Um, I actually placed a few holds myself on books because I was like, oh, that sounds like something I that I should totally read. But, you know, I think that these books and like especially Obama's list, given that it tends to be quite varied year to year, speaks to me as a person who is willing to kind of look outside his own bubble and to um, maybe read not only his own experiences, but like outside of his experiences mm. as well, which I think is really 
important as well if you're a political leader that you try to understand experiences and people outside of your own, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's so interesting. So let's talk about, um, because Karen, you mentioned, you know, Obama reads everything and anything. So I'm curious about some of uh, the books that have come out this year and on his reading list. Where do you want to start, Karen? So one of the ones that actually interested me is a book called Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Read that recently, yeah. Oh, did Mm -hmm. you? And what did you think? Well, um, (laughs) interesting for sure because of the the dynamics of family and characters. Uh, But also, I thought it was kind of dry. This is my very candid. Did you? Yes, and fresh response to it. But carry on. (laughs) Let's hear what Obama has to say. So he doesn't actually tell us much about the book, like unless he's had an interview. But this book I thought was interesting. So it's... um, it pays homage to Little Women. So the characters in this book are four sisters, uh, and they have similar sorts of experiences, um, you know, modern day experiences, but but similar to to sort of the family dynamic that existed in Little Women. So if you loved Little Women, you probably would would like this book. Um, the the main character is uh, a young woman named Julia Padovano, and she meets William Waters in university and they start to date and they you know julia decides that she's going to make william her husband william grew up in a very dysfunctional family without a lot of love his parents had suffered some uh traumatic losses or when he was young and and so it really impacted his sort of view of family and his experience of family and so he's dropped into this very close-knit family uh and you know something as always happens in books something happens to sort of disrupt some of the the family dynamics and and the the characters have to decide what their way forward is. And I'm I'm interested in the book, but one of the things that sort of interested me is that Obama reads so widely, you know, this would be often folks would say this would be a, a book for that would might appeal more to women. Um, but he, you know, he puts this on his list and and in all of his lists, he reads widely from women, widely from people of color, widely from um, not just American authors, but, you know, th- there's usually authors from other places in the world, at least one or two on his list. Um, and so I just, I love that he's open about reading books that are, you know, the the sorts of things that you might not expect a man like Obama to read. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this was also on uh, Oprah's book it choice. Was. Yeah. And I think that was one of the reasons why it was just absolutely popular people were very interested to check it out um and so i did as part of a book club uh, so i'm not sure if Teresa, you read this book but there are other books that you wanted to mention on obama's book list yeah definitely so um one that really jumped out at me was sinner bleed by s.a crosby uh so this one is about uh titus crown He is the first black sheriff of um, his area. And uh, he's investigating a high school shooting um, of a history teacher and his killer. And the shooting leaves both of them dead. Uh, But before long, you know, as the investigation goes along, Titus uncovers evidence that kind of indicates both men participated in ritualistic 
killings of seven black children mm. who had disappeared from the area over the past several years. So the story kind of follows Titus and his deputies um, as they set out to find this third man. And so this book really um, leapt out at me because I was like, okay, so we have this person who's in a position of authority. Uh, it's set in the South. And it screams to me Attica Locke as a read-alike. And I don't know if, if any of you have read Attica Locke, but I can count probably on one hand the number of authors that I am probably, the authors that I love and I'm the most enthusiastic to read more of, mm. and Attica Locke is one of them. And she's a writer from the States. Uh, her first book was like 2010. Her last one was 2019, but she's only written like honestly like a handful of titles, maybe five or six of them. And she actually writes quite a bit for like uh, for Netflix, for for TV shows, and for movies as well. Mm. And so for both Crosby and for Attica Locke, we find like main characters. Um, they're black. They are both part of a quote unquote establishment, the police force both really struggle with that and they struggle with the establishment itself and their place in it um in Locke's books it's a black texas ranger who investigates race crimes in the south and you know both are are part of this establishment um and they're trying to be a driving force and changing them in one way or another and in Locke's books it's almost like the main character himself just his existence as a, a black person on the force is meant to really try and shake things up and what i also really appreciate about both authors too is that they're really um very aware of the racial struggles of black people in the particular area that they are um writing about so wherever their um, main characters are investigating these murders um it's not just like a general uh, experience it's a very like hyper local experience as well which really um, speaks to I think like more understanding more uh, nuance um, and more depth so you know if you love the center bleed by Crosby and I've placed a hold on it as as well to read I would like I would totally leap to Attica Locke as well I think that these would be um, great read likes any of her books would would be um, great compliments to this one too okay this is like two recommendations in one you know Obama's recommendation and Teresa's recommendation I really well you know I have to rival Obama here <laughs> just, at the end of the just day I a little right? gal from Toronto <laughs> right but you know <laughs> to one up him obviously obviously I'm going to be <laughs> tweeting at him after this so <laughs> okay that's amazing but I do appreciate the comparisons especially if you know you have um authors of your own that you feel strongly about in similar context more so this one is actually the wager and this is up on um sila's home page at the moment and you wanted to mention this one because it's on obama's list yeah i wanted to mention this one too because this one is just so wild and i I remember growing up and, and watching like the mutiny of the bounty and, and reading the book. And this is so, so much like that. So if you're into like history and like merit time, um, insanity and shipwrecks and all that kind of stuff, this is a, would be a really interesting book. 
And this author um, is also the author of The Killers of the Flower Moon. And just to note that um, there's a movie actually coming out in the fall time with Leonardo DiCaprio based on that book. So this, um, this book, The Wager, follows um, a British vessel called The Wager. And it sounds like they were kind of made to um, go into service during England's war with Spain. And they ended up shipwrecked in a storm off the coast of Patagonia while chasing, and I'm not even kidding you, a silver-laden Spanish galleon. Um, and so although they were initially part of a fleet, by the time of the shipwreck, it sounds like the wager like stood alone by itself. And many of its crew members had succumbed to injury, to illness, starvation, drowning, you know, like not a good scene whatsoever. Um, and then uh, they have this wreckage and more than half of them survive and find themselves on a desolate island. And so the crew begins to, you know, um, become rivals against each other. And there's one guy named John um, Bokelli. He's a gunner. Uh, he becomes uh, critical of the captain who has survived. And um, at one point, this Bokelli guy and 80 crew members take Wager's longboat and two vessels and like set off for Brazil. And they think that they left this captain guy, you know, behind. However, they did it, they actually managed to get back to England. But da-da-da, Cheap is there as well. The captain that they thought that they left behind, like, you know, mutinied basically on a desert island, somehow has appeared in England as well. And he says, no, that Bukele guy, he committed mutiny. And then there's a trial. So it's like, it's a real, like, on the edge of your seat kind of a thriller. And, you know, I almost want to say, like, I don't necessarily gravitate books like this myself, but like just the way it's, it, it was um, like the blurb was kind of written about it. I was like on the edge of my seat, like, Holy feeling like, what's going to happen? Like, um, so, you know, this may have like a more of a, a um, of, of a bigger appeal with people. And um, so uh, the author actually used firsthand accounts, log books, correspondence, diaries, court martial testimony to write the story so it's a pretty crazy story i know it's wild it's like you thought the guy was not there and he's there on the you know in england and you're like i thought dude was dead back in wherever but he wasn't it's very impressive and so i think you know if you like this book and you know you you want to read in that time period or you like shipwrecks you can't go wrong with um, a book by Peter Fitzsimmons on the mutiny on the bounty. Just the difference is that the mutiny that he writes is a fictionalized account, whereas the wager is not. Um, and then there's also a great book uh, if you want more of a Canadian take on maritime intrigue, surviving the elements. Um, there's a great book called Empire of Ice and Stone by Buddy Levy. And it's about Canada's first foray into Arctic exploration, the ill-fated voyage of the Carluke in 1913. So we have both of those books in our collection as well, if you okay. want to check them out. Okay, great. So curious, and Karen, maybe you can um, jump on this. Do we get a lot from Obama 
um, going back to like his book list about his choices you know does he talk a lot about why this book why that book what makes the cut what makes the curation he doesn't really talk about it a lot and there's so there's some discussion that he doesn't actually curate this list but Mm. um i actually think that he does and and you know there's uh, there's some back and forth about whether uh publishers pitch books to him and, and that sort of thing most of them flat out deny it um I think he he is um, a curious man and a thoughtful yes. man, um, and I think reading more broadly, just a, apart from him specifically, but I think reading uh, telegraphs something about our values often, about the things that we want to know more about, about the ways we want to spend our time, about the um, the ways that we're interested in delving deep and questioning our own points of view and our own motivations and all that sort of thing, and so. I do think that that this book list of his and and the ones that he's compiled over the years um, sort of capture where he is in his his uh, exploration of those sorts of ideas, but also where the U.S. is as a nation and where, you know, popular culture can be as well. Mm -hmm. As I said, these these books are pretty, pretty broad. Um, He's he's I think he's very um, intentional about selecting books that will give him as Teresa said really eloquently a a different point of view or a window into somebody else's life and so I think that's part of why they still resonate you know he's been out of office what seven years now yeah part of me is a little bit cynical though because I think that um I don't know that I can actually like weigh in intelligently whether he reads them or not but I, I definitely think that they are part of like a branding of of him as yeah. a person, right? Yeah. And um and uh you know, it shows whether he reads them or not what he how he wants to like portray himself in the public, especially like post office, like the way that Harry and Megan are kind of a brand themselves as well. Yeah, no, that's a fair th- uh you know observation because I was thinking the same thing Obama's very well versed not just with books obviously but with all kinds of other uh, elements in the the public eye about him about his family the things he kind of gets up to and that started it kicked off around his campaigning and through his presidency but it never really died off I think we enjoy just keeping tabs um, mm-hmm. and and you know whatever has is come up the catalysts around that being his presidency is stuck around it's a way for him i think to continue to be relevant post presidency and and to keep it's fun himself and yeah no absolutely for sure yeah i also i also think it's valuable in terms of um influencing uh, deeper thought and and influencing the kinds of ideas that we want to talk about, especially sort of post Trump. Um, that you know, it, it, he and Michelle with their um, institute in Chicago, you know, they're really trying to um, uh, provide opportunities for people to you know change their station in life and all of that kind of thing. And so I think that that you know he's he's making suggestions to folks about. These are some books that you can read that will give you different perspectives, that will give you um, opportunities to think about things more broadly. Like Teresa, you know, with this book, The Wager, for example, 
she was talking about how it's really seat of your, you know, on the edge of your seat kind of things. But also, I'm sure it gets into themes about, um, you know, truth and themes about uh, power and all of those sorts of things that are, you know, speak to where we are as a society mm-hmm. these days. And don't think that like that, that guy back in wherever shipwrecked on the island isn't going to come back and you know <laughs> yeah bite, like there's definitely some messaging happening there yeah. yeah amazing well you guys thank you so much um this is definitely a first for me i've never d- dived any kind of way into obama's uh book list but it's been very insightful and Teresa, you've i'd say succeeded in winding up obama with your recommendations, oh, your parallels. Okay, I quote you on that? I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn In context, page. of course. <laughs> awesome. Karen and Teresa, we'll chat with you next month. Great. Great Thanks thank so much. You. Teresa Power and Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access talking to us on AMI Audiobook Review to kick off the month. We have lots more uh, episodes coming your way in August, of course. And until next week, happy audiobook listening. described video guide lists television programming available for viewers who are blind or partially sighted from dramas to sitcoms documentaries to movies children's programming to animated series ami's described video guide has it all for a comprehensive list of described television programming in canada visit ami.ca slash guide or call toll free 1-855-855-1144 i'm greg david communication specialist at ami Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.